Hi, welcome to episode 616 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I like to eat sliced pig. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today it's Fantastic Four, volume 4, number 15, from February 2014. The Fantastic Four are doomed, part 3, The Elements of War, story by Matt Fraction and Carl Kessel, script by Carl Kessel, and art by Raphael Iyanako. So anyway, I still have an ear infection. I can't hear shit. Am I talking too loud? Talking too soft? I have no idea! And we start 2.66 million years in the past, right back where the FF were in issue 1 of volume 4. They're their normal, healthy selves, exploring the past. Ben worried about dinosaurs, but Reed assures him that there are no dinosaurs at this point in time. A strange meteorite comes zooming along toward them. It actually looks like four sperm in a green ball of fire. Johnny blasts it apart, but a monkey man, a monkey man, is scared by the blast. He runs into a tree, so Reed decides to send him to the future so they can treat his concussion. First of all, I thought there was really nothing you could do to treat a concussion other than tell him to rest for a while. And then the dinosaur shows up, and he eats the Fantastic Four, which is how we started Volume 4. So back to where we left off last issue, with the real Fantastic Four meeting the alternate timeline Fantastic Four with Stevenson Storm and his family. Turns out that strange meteorite, you know, the one with the four sperms, that was a flare shot off by the alternate timeline Fantastic Four, which carried the essence of the powers of this alternate timeline Fantastic Four. And those four power sperms inseminated the real Fantastic Four with the powers of the alternate Fantastic Four, and by having these strange extra powers, that is what caused the real FF's powers uh, to go crazy out of control. And the simple solution is to give the powers back to the Alt-FF. Why? Why? Why did they send the powers into the past to begin with? That makes no sense at all to me. The Alt-Fantastic Four say that they need the real Fantastic Four's help in defeating Doom, Kang, and Annihilus. So they grab a hold of each, of each other and this device, and the transference process begins. Ben starts turning back into the thing, Sue turns visible again, Johnny gets control of his flames, but in the middle of all this, Ant-Man, the alternate Scott Lang, tosses some kind of grenade toward the group, which puts a status field around the members of the alternate Fantastic Four. So Reed grabs Ant-Man, who you would think he'd be able to escape very easily by shrinking, but he doesn't. Their powers still aren't at 100%, so they need to complete the transferal process. Ant-Man explains that the uh, stasis field around the Alt-FF is from Kang, a time device that makes time stand still 
inside the state is filled, inside the stasis, stasis filled, Ant-Man works for Doctor Doom and he wanted to keep the Alt-FF from getting their powers back. He's working for Doom because Doom said he could bring Scott's daughter back from the dead. Oh, come on. Doom's been trying to bring his mom back from the dead forever with no success. But I guess all Scott Lang doesn't know this. So Reed said they need to get uh, some uh, kind of temporal anomaly to get in and free the Alt-Fantastic Four from that stasis field. And then Alt-Scott says... Oh, I know where I know where one is. Why is he offering to help? He just caused a situation in the first place. That's a very quick turnaround. Back at the Fantastic Fortress, aka, aka the Alt Baxter Building, and why, oh God, why did no one think of calling it the Fantastic Fortress until now? That's such an obvious name. I love it. We see that Jean Grey is a prisoner, all shackled up. She gets her arms free and starts to flee, but a group of Kang soldiers are there. They're about to fire on Jean Grey, but they get incinerated by Doctor Doom at the last second. The Fantastic Four hear the sound of Doom's gun, and they follow it back and find Doctor Doom and Jean Grey there. They tell Doom that he better not hurt Marvel Girl, and Doom is like, Uh, who are you guys? They explain they're from another dimension. And you would think that Doom would have figured that out by now, but I guess not. Maybe he thought they were just really bad cosplayers. Doom explains how Kang has taken Annihilus' powers, and he's the one they should be worried about. And that Doom has taken Jean Grey because he, she's a temporal blind spot to Kang. With her around, Kang can't follow Doom's movements. So the soldiers start shooting at Doom and the Fantastic Four in the name of their leader, Kang. Johnny is about to mock how lame these soldiers are when they shoot him and they knock him out. They shoot Ben and Reed too, which puts the hurting on them as well, but they can't find Sue. Go figure. She's turned invisible again and she uses her powers to disable all their guns, which backfire and seemingly kills them all. Yet, Reed doesn't say anything about that. You know, normally he gets upset about killing. They rush off to find Doctor Doom, but he's disappeared in the time machine with Jean Grey. It's funny. Artist Raphael Ayinako has gone back to using the yellow time platform, which I never saw that during the Mark Bagley issues. So they diddle around with the controls so that Doom reappears from wherever he went in time to back where right back where he left, where Ben is waiting there to clobber Dr. Doom and they free Jean Grey. They ask her to turn off that stasis field around the Alt-FF, which she does. But this green energy shoots out of them and back at the real FF. Is that a good thing? Jean asks. It is for them, Doom replies as he gets up and raises a gun at Jean Grey. He tries to shoot her, but Alt Ant-Man jumps in the way. He's gone from being a dick to being a hero very quickly. Real Thing and Alt-Thing both grab Alt-Doctor Doom while Alt-Invisible Woman checks, the, checks on Alt-Ant-Man and declares him dead. Doom cracks that at least he reunited Scott and his daughter like he said he would. He gets socked in the face by Black Thing for that quip. I thought it was a pretty good joke myself. 
And then Kang shows up, full of power, ready to kick some ass. He starts kicking Doom's ass, but then Doom reveals that he traveled back in time to adjust the cosmic power siphoning machine by putting a time limit on it. At this point, Kang's new po- newfound powers disappear. How does that work? Didn't Doom just create a new timeline instead of affecting what happens in this timeline? I hate the inconsistent usage of time travel in these books sometimes. So now all of Kang's powers and Anias's powers transfer over to Doctor Doom, and he's got a snazzy new green and purple outfit to reflect this. And despite the ridiculous new outfit, this Doctor Doom does not seem like someone you want to mess with. And that is the end of the issue. So over in FF Volume 2, number 15, in a story called Operation Latveria by Matt Fraction, Lee Allred, and Mike Allred. So the Future Foundation are off to do battle with the real Doctor Doom. We start with Ant-Man Scott Lang giving a rundown of his plans to the rest of the crew, plans that involve a bunch of robots, androids, thing outfits, and a magician from the 1940s. There's like 13 parts to this plan. It'll never work! Or will it? Let's see. So the plan begins, and Castle Doom is under attack by the awesome android, a bunch of thing robot suits, and robot versions of a bunch of superheroes. And all of these are controlled by the kids on the moon using video game controllers. It kind of reminds me of the scene in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where all the drones attacking the Guardians were uh, controlled by a bunch of people playing video games. The kids are being led by ancient rulers Sun Tzu and Julius Caesar for what it's worth. At one point Doom in his control room calls them a bunch of mellow of meddlesome kids. It's like he's become a Scooby-Doo villain. One part of the plan that works is Alex Powers and Ahura. I hate that name so much. Sounds like Uhura from Star Trek. They rescue Alex's parents. Meanwhile, the kids are getting bored and losing interest in their video games. The kids on the moon. They need more energy. So Bentley gives them all cans of Mountain Dew. Well, actually, as if that doesn't sound bad enough. In this universe, it's called... Mountain Dupe. Ugh. In a little subplot I don't quite understand. Uh, you know, I barely understand the main plot either. But Black Bolt and Triton break past the gate of the Latvian Embassy in New York. Which, you know, I've never thought about it in all these years. But why is the Latvian Embassy in New York City? Shouldn't the Latvian Embassy be in Washington, D.C. with all the other embassies? Shouldn't the Latvian ambassador be in Washington, D.C.? You know, where all the American politicians are? I guess that either shows you how stupid Dr. Doom is, or how obsessed with Reed Richards he is to be the only country in the world that puts their embassy in New York City instead of the capital. So there at the Latvian embassy, Black Bolt and Triton find a little container containing a shrunken down Maximus the Mad. Now that 
is a subplot that never made any sense to me at all. What the hell is going on with Maximus? So they send the Inhumans off to find the other missing Inhumans by smashing the Latvian embassies in other countries like North Korea, Iran, and Syria. I guess we are to assume that these other three countries are friendly with Latveria. I mean, Latveria has an embassy in the United States too, but maybe because Latveria is an evil country, they don't let them put their embassy in Washington, D.C. Old Man Johnny flies into the room with Kang, Doom, and Annihilus, and is immediately shot down. And next, we see a scene where Lockjaw is supposed to be talking, supposed to be taking the kids, Franklin and Valeria, back home, but they're intercepted by Ravona, you know, or the older version of Ravona, to be precise, back with Doom and the others, the Watcher shows up to, you know, watch stuff, which kind of freaks out young Kang. Doom ends up sucking up all his powers, then blasting all these other Doctor Dooms, wherever they're from, and then blasting the Watcher. He turns to find himself facing Darla, She-Hulk, and Medusa. Darla puts some device on Doom's chest, which doesn't seem to work, but the blast knocks out the three women at the same time. And then the issue ends with Scott Lang showing up for a one-on-one -on -one battle with Doctor Doom. And that's it. The end. A cliffhanger that leads into the very final issue of FF. So that's all I have for now. If you need any uh, if you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, I'm having a hard time about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott at podcastff, and you can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Of a preacher from the back room Calling my name and I follow just to find you I trace the faith through a broken down television And put on the weather Then I've trained myself to give up on the past Cause I've frozen time between hearses and caskets Lost control when I panicked at the acid test I wanna get back